Galatians chapter 3 this morning, and we'll begin at verse number 13. Amen. Galatians 3 and 13. And uh, are you blessed? Yes, sir. Amen. Hallelujah. Give me some good news, brother. Real loud so everybody can hear it. Yes, sir. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Brother Wally, while we're taking testimonies, he's got another one. Give it to us, brother, loud so everybody can hear you. Amen. Some of you men at the men's breakfast remember Brother Don Egan. Uh, we laid hands on him and prayed for him at the men's breakfast, and that's who he's referring to. So praise God. Good things, good things. Amen. All right, Galatians chapter 3, and um, let's begin at verse number 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. I want you to personalize that this morning. Christ has redeemed me, come on now, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, having become a curse for me. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen. Now, I don't want to uh, offend you just right out. I don't ever want to offend you, and I especially don't want to offend you at the beginning of a sermon, and you shut me out for the rest of the time together. Amen. I don't want to offend you this morning, but um, I, want to, I want to tell you that none of us really understand 
according to the true meaning of the word, uh, what it is or what it means to be blessed. What it is or what it means to be blessed. And, and, let, and let me, again, let me explain what I'm talking about here, okay? Um, we tend to think of somebody who's blessed as somebody who's fortunate. We, we tend to think of somebody who's blessed as, as somebody that just had something work out in their favor. Uh, we tend to think of somebody as, as, as uh, uh, you know, blessed as, as somebody that's, that's kind of, you know, uh, had a lot of things in a row uh, happen to them financially or in their family, you know, had, had some breakthroughs and things of this nature. Certainly, those things would be uh, symptomatic of, of blessing. They, they would be, um, uh, you know, in the same uh, category as, as blessing. But, but when I talk about what it means to be blessed, I'm talking about what, what a, dev, a devout Jewish man or woman uh, that was, was raised in Judaism, recognizing Abraham as their father, and understanding from the Old Testament uh, passages um, what it meant to be blessed, okay? Um, we, we have these things, let, let, me, let me see if I can just express a couple of ideas here, all right? Um, anybody here ever heard of the Midas touch? And again, that's a, a fable or what fairy tale or what have you know, but everything King Midas touched turned to gold. Um, how about the fountain of youth? And again, this is supposedly you drink from this water and, uh, and, and it has all these health qualities and benefits and, and supposedly you'll live forever or... or or, um, or stay young. How about the goose that laid the golden egg? I mean, that'd be pretty cool. I know we've got some folks here that, that have uh, chickens, uh, raise eggs and things. And so um, can you imagine like if every morning you went out to collect the eggs that your hens laid, if, that they were solid gold, okay? Now, if you take the fountain of youth, the Midas touch, and the goose that laid the golden egg, and, and what emotions, what thoughts that those stir up in you, you're getting close to how a Jewish man or a woman in the first century would have looked at and understood this idea of blessing. In other words, it was something that everyone desired. Blessing to them would have meant things like this. Um, being very wealthy, financially wealthy. Being blessed or having the blessing upon them would have meant things like never getting sick. L literally, this is, this is what they understood the blessing to mean, what they understood the blessing to be. H here's one. Um, they understood that if someone was blessed... They would never, ever, ever deal with dementia or what we now call Alzheimer's disease. Someone that was blessed was someone that in life things always worked out for them. Are you hearing me? Someone who was blessed had 
supernatural protection. We, we might call it bulletproof. If you were blessed, you were untouchable by sickness or disease, by accident or incident. If you were blessed, if you had the blessing on you, you, you were uh, bulletproof, uh, untouchable, so to speak, from accident, injury, harm, peril, threat, danger. You were blessed uh, when you went in your house. You were blessed when you left your house. You were blessed while, while you were there. You were blessed out on the road when you went to work. Amen? See, all of, all of these things, and maybe at some point in our study, we'll take some time to go through these things in, in Deuteronomy. But these folks had such a depth of understanding on, on what it meant to be blessed and, and, and to have the, um, when I say a superpower, come on now, you with me? A superpower resting upon them. We're talking about something supernatural, something that doesn't originate on this earth, something that comes from heaven, a force, if you will, that comes from heaven, an impartation that comes from heaven, that rests upon an individual's life, that rests upon an individual family. And because that blessing is upon them, everything works out for them. Everything they put their hands to prospers. Every business endeavor thrives. Every, in, every financial investment uh, increases more than ever, everyone else's. Their crops um, always produced uh, at, at maximum uh, 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 harvest and, and production. Are you understand what I'm saying? This is what someone in the first century would have understood the blessing or the blessing of Abraham to be upon them actually meant. Amen. It's sad to me that in our day the blessing has been reduced to a few words we say before a meal or something we say after somebody sneezes. The enemy does not want you to understand the power associated with the blessing. Now, <clears throat> I'm, gonna, I'm scrolling down in my notes because turn with me, if you will, to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. I'm skipping over some things. Maybe we'll come back to it later. Maybe we'll come back to it tonight. Hebrews chapter 6. Water here. Now, Hebrews chapter 6. Let me, I don't have the time really to, to treat this um, the way it needs to be treated in Scripture. But let me, if I could just real, real quick. All right, we spend in discipleship class, we spend almost two hours on this one subject right here, okay? The book of Hebrews is unlike any other book in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we, we have the four Gospels, then we have the book of Acts, which is literally the Acts of the Apostles. And then we go into the part that's called the epistles. Epistles. Now, an epistle is just a fancy word for letter. A letter. So, for instance, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, wrote two letters to the church at Corinth. We understand those two letters to be 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Okay? 
We see Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. These were written to the church at Colossae, the church at Ephesus, the church at Galatia, the church at Philippi. Okay? Again, Thessalonica, there was a church there. We have two letters to the Thessalonians or the Thessalonians. Okay, first and second Thessalonians. The church at Rome. Anybody want to guess what book of the Bible that one is? It's called Romans. Amen. So we have each of these letters that were written to uh, a specific church, but then, of course, other churches, like we're the same church, amen? So we still enjoy and benefit from all of these letters that were written by the apostles, these epistles written by the apostles, amen? But again, all scriptures given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just Paul that wrote that. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, wrote the, the epistles that bear his name or his uh, pen, uh, same with uh, John or Peter or what have you, okay? Now, there is one very important exception, and that's the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews. If you understand, Hebrew is another word for Jew or for someone who is Jewish. A Jewish man could also be referred to as a Hebrew man, okay? They were of the Hebrews. So <clears throat> the letter that bears the name Hebrews, okay, you still with me? This is really important. You'll, let, me, let me just see if this will help you bring your heart to a little more attention here. You'll never understand the book of Hebrews until you understand what I'm about to tell you. Okay. The book of Hebrews is an open letter to the Hebrew people. It's not written to the church at Hebrews. You see what I'm saying? Because Hebrews is not a location. Hebrews is a people group. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to Jewish men and women in an effort to draw them into a salvation experience with Jesus. See, all the other epistles are written to men and women who have already been born again. And so there's instructions there for them having already received the gift of salvation. The book of Hebrews is written, it's an open letter to the Hebrew people. And, and, and the writer of the book of Hebrews, I, again, he's going after any Hebrew man or woman that will read it. But ultimately what we see is there were all kinds of Jewish men and women who experienced the earthly ministry of Jesus but never invested saving faith in Jesus uh, to receive the gift of salvation. So they may have had children that were healed by Jesus. They may have been there that day when he fed uh, thousands of people with the little boy's lunch and ate till their bellies were full, but they've not yet called upon his name to receive the gift of salvation that, that he came ultimately to give them. So now we're, I could look it up exactly, I want to say we're around, you know, 15, 20 years after the fact. In other words, you've you got folks that, that um, I may be off on that estimation, please don't quote me on that, but it's sometime after um, Jesus is, you know, crucified, buried, raised from the dead, ascended back to the Father. And so the, the Holy Spirit through the writer, of, and the reason I say the writer of Hebrews is because it's the one letter that we don't know for sure who actually wrote it. When I say wrote it, we know the Holy Spirit gave inspiration, but who actually pinned it down? Lots of interesting theories there. I'm not going to go into any of those, all right? 
But again, the, the, the heart of this is men and women who experienced the earthly ministry of Jesus but were never saved. And the writer of Hebrews is going after them. Because again, these folks are not going to live forever on this earth. And it's time for them to, to, to receive uh, and, 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 and invest. How about like, I'll give you an example. Hebrews 4 says the gospel was preached to them as well as to us, but it did not profit them because they did not mix faith with what they heard. That's in Hebrews the fourth chapter. So they heard the gospel, but they haven't, they haven't mixed faith with it yet. And, and so they heard it, but it hasn't benefited them. So again, we could go on and on with this. Now, the reason I point that out to you is because in Hebrews, the sixth chapter, it seems as if, and a lot of people point to these verses, the first six verses, and, and because they make the assumption that it's, that it's speaking of people who've already been saved, and they point to these verses and they say, see, you can lose your salvation. But that is, that is absolutely not what these verses are saying. Even, even the, the part um, where it says, uh, let's, let's just do this, verse 4. For it's impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come if they fall away to renew them again to repentance since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put Him to an open shame. Again, a lot of these words are so misleading in the way they were translated. This word, for instance, partaker, is not the same uh, word translated to have an equal share in. It's referring to someone who had an encounter with, someone who, who, who experienced it in some way, but have not received it in themselves inwardly and, and, and personally, okay? And that part about seeing that they crucify him again and put him to an open shame. Are you ready for what he's saying here? What he's saying there is, is literally, at least those who rejected him on the earth had the decency to take him off the cross and bury him. Because you continue to be wishy-washy, ride the fence about whether or not you believe he's the Messiah, you're leaving him hanging on the cross. It's time to, we might say it this way, it's time to put up or shut up. Okay? Now, again, I, I said before I went down that pathway that I was not going to have the time to, to do that justice. We haven't gotten to that section yet in discipleship class. It's in some of the archives of previous years. Amen? And I think we just simply title that Hebrews 6, okay? But what I want to begin with this morning is verse number 7. Verse number 7 says, For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. Receives blessing from God. All right? Now, Remember that God spoke to the earth and commanded the earth to bring forth and bud. He spoke to the earth and commanded the earth to reproduce the seeds that are placed within it and for those seeds to bring forth after their kind. We see that God declared it when He declared it to, in the days of Adam and Eve, and then He declared it yet again when things started over with Noah, that as long as the sun rises and, 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 and sets, that seed, time, and harvest will not cease upon the earth. 
So the earth will try to grow and reproduce anything you put in it. That's why we have to treat a fence post before we put it in the ground because the earth only knows how to try to break that fence post down and grow it. And that's where rot comes from. So the earth has been spoken to by God and it received an empowerment from God to, to grow and, and to produce. Jesus said it this way, the farmer plants the seed, he goes to sleep by night, he rises by day, the earth brings forth uh, a harvest and the farmer does not know how. And what he's saying here is that there is still to this day, as much as we understand about agriculture, there is still to this day a mystery as to why you can put a seed in the earth and the earth will cause it to sprout and, and grow and, and produce fruit. Are you with me? Well, what we see here, again, I want to try to connect some things together this morning for you. Remember now, remember now, the book of Hebrews is written to Jewish men and women who would have been very familiar with the concept of God's blessing. As a matter of fact, it would have been the one thing they desired perhaps more than any other thing was for the blessing of God to be upon them and to be upon their family. Again, the golden ticket, the golden egg, the Midas touch, the fountain of youth, uh, protection, supernatural protection, blessing, wealth, healing, protection from sickness and disease, all of these things, right? This would have been uh, what they desired and, and, and longed for. Amen. So, he says <clears throat> that we are expecting, um, verse 9, well, praise God. Let me, keep, let me get back to verse 7. For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it. Let me put that on the screen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I'm getting, I'm getting excited about this. All right. Are you excited about it? For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God receives blessing from God. Remember what the blessing is. The blessing is a force from heaven. It's invisible. You can't see it. But it's, 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 an, it's a force from heaven that's working in your favor. It's working for you. We've referred to it over and over again. But in Leviticus, I believe it's the sixth chapter, we see that God commanded His blessing on their crops one year and, and that one year of planting produced three years of food that did not spoil. Because he did what? He, because that crop, that sixth year crop, received a blessing from God. It received a blessing from God. So he's saying that the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. In other words... It's doing that because God's blessing it. It's producing fruit and it's producing things that are good, things that are beneficial, things that are useful, again, because it has first received a blessing from God. It is the blessing of God upon the earth that's causing the earth to bring forth and produce these things. Verse number 8, But if it bears thorns and briars... It is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. 
whose end is to be burned. Now, I'm going to come back to that verse, but if you'll notice in verse 9, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. So he uses the illustration of the earth and how there are sections of the earth that are cultivated and produce things that are useful and they're producing those things that are useful because that earth has received a blessing from God. But there are other uh, patches of ground, amen. There, is, there are other areas, amen, that are not bringing forth anything useful, but they're bringing forth thorns and briars are near to being cursed and ultimately would be burned. And then he says, but beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. So he's talking about these two different conditions of, of soil, but he's using them as a comparison for people. Amen. In other words, he's saying that, that we're confident that you're going to receive blessing from God, amen, and produce useful things. That you're going to, to, let's go back to that verse that we mentioned a moment ago in Hebrews, the fourth chapter. He's talking about the gospel being preached to a group of people. And he says the gospel was preached to them just like it was preached to us, but it did not profit them. It didn't benefit them because they did not believe it. They did not mix faith with what they heard. Are you with me now? Okay. All right. So one of... Listen to me now. One of, there were many, but one of the factors that caused a lot of Jewish people to reject Jesus as the Messiah was the change that he brought when it came to the covenant people had with God. So, the Jewish men and women would have been raised under that old covenant, the one that God made with Abraham and Moses, and, and they would have been familiar with that way of living and doing things. Remember, Jesus came to make all things new again. He came to do away with the old covenant and establish a new covenant, an old operating agreement and, and that being replaced by a new operating agreement. Are you with me? Now, the, a lot of Jewish men and women were reluctant to make that change because of the blessing. That old covenant carried with it a means by which one could receive the blessing by which one could be blessed by God. Are you with me? It had very specific instructions for how a man or a woman and his or her family could be blessed. And that, that means of being blessed and receiving blessing, again, we find it in the book of Deuteronomy, it involved obedience to the law. In other words, if they obeyed the commandments, they would be blessed. But if they broke the commandments, they would be cursed. If they obeyed the commandments, they would receive the blessing and none of the curses would come upon them. Right? But if they broke the commandments, 
they would not be blessed and they would be exposed to the curse. So what we have here then is a works-based, performance-based system. It was one that they could understand. It was one that they could uh, spell out and, and, and check off. It was, are you ready? This is a huge one for us even to this day. It was one that they felt like they could control. Right? It was one that appealed to their flesh. Amen? You do know that New Year's is coming, right? You do know that when the new calendar comes, it's new beginnings. And we have a tendency to make New Year's resolutions. And if you're like me, there will probably be some things on your New Year's resolution list in 2020 that was on there in 2019, that was on there in 2018, that was on there in 2017. Come on, am I right about it? Why do we keep putting the same thing on there? Because we're going we're gonna to try harder this year, Pastor Mark. We're going to redouble our efforts, right? So they would look at that system of if we can just do this, we'll have the goose that laid the golden egg. If we, if we can just be good, if we can just obey the commandments, then, then, then we'll be protected from dementia and Alzheimer's. If, if we can just do good, we won't be crazed in our wits, as the Bible says. Our children will be blessed and protected if we can just obey those commandments. And so it was, it was a, a very challenging thing for them to turn loose of that system. Because they viewed it as their ticket to being blessed. They viewed it as the means by which they could be perhaps one day blessed. Now, here's the thing, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily here to teach on the works of the law this morning, but remember the wording of the agreement. The wording of the agreement was, if you observe to do all of these sayings and commandments, amen, then you will be blessed. So 80% wasn't enough. 90% wasn't enough. 99.9% wasn't enough. Remember what Jesus said, if you offend in one point of the law, you're guilty of breaking them all. All right? You with me now? So they had in their covenant spelled out for them how to be blessed. Let, let me... Praise God. Let me, let me split a hair for you. Can I split a hair for you? This is an important hair to split though. God put the blessing upon Abraham. And when He blessed Abraham, He said, I have blessed you and now your descendants. Everything that God gave to Abraham belonged to everyone who descended from Abraham. When God gave Abraham the promised land, it wasn't until, what, 430-something years later that descendants of Abraham we're now being set free. I guess you could say 470 because we had the 40 years, had 430 years of slavery. Slavery. I, let's just round it up to 500. Does that sound good? Amen. It's probably a little more than that. So 500 years before Joshua led the first group in to take possession of that promised land, God gave it to them when He gave it to Father Abraham. He gave it to Father Abraham, and whatever He gave to Father Abraham 
it also became every one of Abraham's descendants. Everyone who descended from Abraham, that land belonged to them as much as it belonged to Abraham. Amen. Are you seeing this? Which legally meant if you had Abraham's blood in your veins, you were blessed by God. The problem was that stinking curse. Right? That kept bullying them and blocking them. And that curse exists because and is fueled by mankind's sin. So God says, if you obey all of these commandments, you will rise above the curse and be blessed. So what he's, what he's again, this is the hair that I'm splitting. They were blessed because of Abraham, but obeying the law was the way they were to operate, or could we simply say, walk out that blessing in their lives, experience it, enjoy it in their lives on a daily basis. Amen. In other words, because they were descendants of Abraham, blessing was their birthright. But in order to walk in the fullness of that blessing, experiencing it and enjoying it in their daily lives, they operated in that, they walked in it by obeying the commands. It was the practical way that they implemented that blessing, activated that blessing in their daily life. Are you with me? Okay. So we now come to our day and we now have a new operating agreement. Are you with me? A new operating agreement that says we are blessed. That says that Jesus came under the curse. See, this curse was, was piled on top of us. We were pinned down by it. We had no way to get out from under it. It was crushing us and would continue to crush us and crush all of our descendants. Amen. But Jesus, come on now, but Jesus, Jesus came and he came under that curse uh, with us and became a curse for us and lifted that curse off of us and then carried it away from us. He became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham could now come upon non-Jewish men and women. My friend, you're blessed this morning. You're blessed, and, and what that means, again, goes beyond anything you've been able to understand or, co or comprehend what it means. I told you last week, I'm going to tell you again this week, I'm going to keep telling you. The devil knows you're blessed. He's trying to figure out if you know you're blessed. And he's going to try to get away, if he can, he's going to try to get away with pushing some of that cursed stuff off on you. Just to see if you'll take it. No, no, I didn't say that right. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just to see if you will receive it. Just to see if you will receive it. Okay? Now, that brings us back to, praise the name of the living God. That brings us back to, let's go back to Hebrews 6 now. Amen. 
For the earth which drinks in the rain that often comes upon it and bears herbs useful for those by whom it is cultivated receives blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and briars, it is rejected and near to being cursed, whose end is to be burned. But beloved, we are confident of better things concerning you. Yes, things that accompany salvation, though we speak in this manner. Now, what I began to show you last week was that our salvation includes blessing. Acts, the sixth chapter, says that Jesus didn't just come to forgive you, but He came to bless you. He came to bless you. So when He says we are confident of better things concerning you, yes, things that accompany salvation... Though we speak in this manner, for God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards His name, and that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Now, let me stop here for just a moment because what, what I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting you and me to see in these verses, again, it's very important, is that the context of all of this is not just our salvation, but it's the blessing that is now upon us because we have received salvation. Remember now, he's talking to Jewish men and women who are on the fence about Jesus. He's talking to Jewish men and women who do not want to turn loose of their operating agreement because there's always this chance that one day we can get it right and, and, and then we'll be blessed and the blessing is like the best thing ever, okay? You with me still? Remember now, he says that the earth receives rain and it, some, of the, some of the earth that receives rain, it brings forth things that are useful. But other portions, thorns and thistles. Thorns and thistles. Praise God. If we go back to the Garden of Eden, you with me? What, what did the ground start to produce after Adam and Eve sinned? Thorns and thistles. Do you realize there were no briars in the Garden of Eden until Adam and Eve sinned? There was no briars. Brother Keith Moore says it this way. In heaven, and then one day, there's a new heaven and a new earth coming for this earth. He said, you'll be able to run through the jungle barefooted. There ain't going to be nothing to stick in your foot. There was none of that in the Garden of Eden. God didn't create those things. The earth started to produce those things that were not useful. You see this. Those things were not useful. Briars, briars make it hard to pick blackberries. Briars make it, make it difficult. Briars make things more challenging. You won't have to pull weeds in your flower beds in heaven. There ain't no weeds there. 
See, the weeds came because of the curse. So when he's talking about the earth that brings forth things that are useful, he's saying it's bringing forth things that are useful because it's received the blessing. What is he ultimately trying to convince the reader in this passage? What is he ultimately trying to convince them to do? He's trying to convince them to receive the blessing. And you receive the blessing now by what? By receiving salvation. Not by the works of the law, but by receiving salvation. All right, I've got to land this plane. Where are we? For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, verse 13, he swore by himself, saying, Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. So notice now, he's talking about this promise that God made to Abraham that now is transitioning over to a promise that He's made to you and me. And it's not, listen, I'm not trying to diminish the importance of salvation. Salvation is absolutely important this morning, especially if you have not been born again. But if you've received salvation, you need to understand some things that accompany salvation. You need to understand some things that come along with salvation. One of my favorite sermons from Dr. Bill Winston so he talks about standing in line at a, at a barbecue joint, kind of hole-in-the-wall barbecue joint, and the lady ahead of him got her order and it was in a brown paper sack, and he was ready to get his order, but she was taking her own sweet time. She looks down in the bag, and she's kind of going through everything, and he said she looked up at the, at the person waiting on her, and she said, do bread come with that? Do bread come with that? Right? Things that accompany salvation, he's talking about the bread that comes with that. He's talking about the blessing that comes with it. He's talking about all of these things. In other words, these folks were reluctant to receive Jesus because they thought to choose Jesus meant to turn your back on ever having an opportunity to, be, to have the blessing of Abraham upon you. And he's saying, hold on a second, God promised Abraham what? Surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. Singers and musicians, come on please. He goes on to talk about the covenant and the oath that God made And how these words are written so that we can be encouraged, built up, and admonished to be strong in our faith. Now, last thing i got to give you this morning, and we're fixing to pray. Amen. Just hear me, please. Remember we said that their birthright meant they were blessed because they were born of Abraham. But in order to activate and operate and walk in the fullness of that blessing, they had to obey the commandments. Yes? My brother, my sister, we have now, because of our birthright, being born not of Abraham's seed, we've been born of the seed of God. 
We are his sons and daughters in the earth. And we have been blessed, not just with the blessing of Abraham, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So how do we activate and operate in the blessing that is ours? Not by obeying the commands, but by faith, by believing. We, we walk in those things by faith, not, not, not because, you know, we're blessed because we've been really good this week. Listen, we should, we should follow God and walk in the Spirit. But my brother, my sister, we're blessed because of what Jesus did for us, not because of our own efforts and our own obedience to the law. Amen? Okay, praise God. Stand with me. We, we bit off a big chunk this morning, maybe a little too much, but we'll, we'll try to narrow this in uh, a little more this evening and, and, and help you see the, 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 the bigger scope of it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So let me, let's just, let's just settle down for just a second, okay? Notice that the heart of Father God was not just that the people be saved, but that ultimately they receive the blessing as well. Amen. Remember, he brought them out of slavery so that he might bring them into their promised land. It wasn't just forgiveness of our sins for forgiveness of our sins sake. He took sin out of the way because sin prevented us from all the other things that accompany salvation. Sin prevented us from being one with God. He took that out of the way, so now we're one with him. Sin prevented us from uh, having the mind of Christ, so he took that out of the way and gave us the mind of Christ. Sin prevented us from uh, in, enjoying the, the, the indwelling uh, presence of the Holy Spirit, so he took sin out of the way and put the Holy Spirit inside of us. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? All of these things that accompany salvation, and right there with them is the promise that he made to Abraham, surely I will bless you. Surely I will bless you. One translation reads this way. You ready? And then I'm going to pray. As soon as I say this, I'm going to pray. Famous last words, right? Since it's my nature to bless, God speaking, since it's my nature to bless, I'm going to bless you. Amen. Father, thank you for your love this evening, this morning rather. Thank you for your love and, and thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, that you desire better things for us, better things than what we may be struggling with this morning, better things that accompany the salvation that we've already received. Help us, Father, have a lay hold mentality, to lay hold of these things that accompany salvation, Lord, and we lay hold of them by faith, by believing, Lord. I thank you this morning for every person in this room. I thank you, Father, that your blessing is upon us, it's within us, it's among us. Teach us how, Lord, to operate in that blessing.
Lord, as we walk out our daily lives by faith, by faith, by believing that we're blessed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want us to sing this song together this morning before we leave. Amen. If you'd like someone to pray with you, these altars are open. Be happy to meet you here and agree with you. Amen. Let's just stand in his presence for a moment and worship him.